Hello, chefs. You're listening to Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, this is going to be part one of the series on the 48 Laws of Power, but as they apply to a kitchen. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. let's start with an update. Yesterday, I was on a panel put on by Sam Pellegrino talking at South by Southwest, um, talking all things food trends. So that that was fun. Got to engage with the audience, got to talk about the future, what the future looks like. Um, A lot of things that I've already talked about on the podcast, but not everyone listens to the podcast. How dare they? You should be listening to the podcast. That was fun. And if you haven't been to Austin during South by, it's a fun experience. You should, uh, you should at least try and make it down. The restaurants are busy. There's a lot of chefs coming through. There's a lot of celebrities coming through. There's music everywhere. It's, it's just a good time. So it was an honor to be on the panel yesterday and get to speak on food trends and, you know, kind of the direction that the food industry is going. By the way, when I was there, I was wearing my happy chef hat. And for those of you that have been following, I had to, and I didn't have to, I was told to, uh, I was insisted that I take down the happy chef hat for, um, um, it was, it was offensive. I don't know why it was offensive. Happy chef hat is gone, but I don't give a fuck. I wore it to the, I wore it to the, the talk and was happy with a stoic face. Anyway, happy chef hat is gone, but I replaced it. There's a new boss slash chef hat and the face is smiling. So no one gets upset that it's a stoic face, even though it says happy. So that, you could go find that on chefspsa.com. Uh, some other updates. Line Cook Survival Manual Audiobook. Uh, I know I've been talking about this for months. I feel like uh, that book came out in December, and I still don't have an audiobook for it. But I've already listened to it. It sounds great. That'll be published, uh, hopefully. You know, it usually takes about 10 days to get done. So let's just say within two weeks it's out. Um, all I have to do is upload the files. But anyway, it sounds good. I'm, I'm happy with it. And then here's something else I want to inform everyone of. I wrote... The Kitchen Art of War, and I honestly, it's it's the favorite. It's my favorite thing that I've written so far. I really like culinary leadership fundamentals. You know, I put a lot of uh, passion into that. But Kitchen Art of War is like timeless. It's a book on strategy, and it's very different. And it's, um, I think I enjoy that one so much because those are the type of books I like to read. So I love philosophy. I, I love things that have multiple meanings and the meanings change over time. You know, you could read it today um, if you're a line cook and then you could read it 10 years from now when you're a chef and it's going to mean something completely different. Those are the types of book I like, the things that require contemplation and thought. Anyway, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is people have been asking me to create a print copy and I've been reluctant to create a print copy 
for here, here's why. A lot of the images in that book I generated uh, using AI and they're high resolution and I didn't want to create a book and then sell it on Amazon and then it's in black and white or, you know, the images don't come out good. So I was reluctant, but boy, I get a lot of DMs saying, turn this into a book. I really want to buy it. So um, I didn't want to let people down. So I've turned it into a book and it's going to be full color. It's going to be shiny. It's going to be, you know, size wise, it's going to be six by nine. So it's larger than the, the current books that I have, uh, culinary leadership fundamentals and line cook survival manual. So it's going to be larger in size. It's going to be shiny, glossy, full color. Um, I'm happy with how it looks right now in sample, but let's say this book comes out this week. Wait for me to announce on the podcast or on Instagram to go buy it because I, I actually want to have a physical copy in my hand uh, to make sure I, I like the quality and I, I won't have a physical copy until it's out and then I have to buy one and then it has to come to my house. So it's going to be available uh, on print and then I will create the audiobook and the ebook will also be out. But uh, if you're going to get the ebook, get it on on the Gumroad link versus Amazon. I, I think the the PDF ebook on Gumroad, the quality on that is going to be much better than what you could get on Amazon. Um, it's just, you have much more flexibility on Gumroad to upload files than you do on Amazon. Amazon kind of distorts them, uh, when you upload eBooks for those of you that are interested. Anyway, Kitchen Art of War will be available on print. It is going to be a little bit more expensive. So I'll, I'll tell you why it's going to be more expensive, uh, because it costs more to make a full color, shiny, glossy, larger book than it costs to make a paperback book with, you know, no pictures on it. So it's going to be more expensive, even though the, um, there's fewer pages, but it's worth it, right? Like every chef needs to understand kitchen strategy. And this is a skill that I think that you need to be thinking about all the time. Like what separated me in my career. Yes. I like to think I was a good cook and I like to think I was a good chef, but really I was an excellent strategist. I was an excellent thinker. And I always talk about this. If you want to be different, you have to think differently. You have to think is the exception to the rule. And I'm hoping that's why you all listen to this podcast, because I hope I'm occasionally giving you a different perspective on things to maybe think about things differently. Kitchen Art of War, I definitely think uh, it's my favorite book. And I, I definitely think if you, if you like that style, you should check that book out. Anyway, Art of War. One of my favorite books, Machiavelli, love that book, 48 Laws of Power. That's what we're talking about today, the 48 Laws of Power, written by Robert Greene. And he has a whole series of books, but I was first introduced to his writing style with the 48 Laws of Power. I think it's a fantastic book, and I think everyone should read it. It's history lessons on how people have attained power. The rise to power is something to be studied because even though you're, we're not all taking over countries or, or doing, you know, um, you know, trying to trying to become dictators or presidents or politicians or warlords or whatever the case may be, in a kitchen, it's very analogous to that because when you're climbing up the hierarchy of a kitchen and you're starting at cook and you're working your way up to head chef, kitchens are tough and you have to understand social dynamics you have to understand psychology you're dealing with multiple personalities you're dealing with nice people you're dealing with mean people you're dealing with people that want to stab you in the back you're dealing with people that want to see you fired for no reason you're dealing with people that want to sabotage you you're dealing with people that are actually on your side you're dealing with people that want to see you succeed and sometimes you're being held back for no reason at all sometimes we're talking about power grabs you know, trying to grab attention for your restaurant. So the 48 laws of power is a great book. I like that style of book. So anyway, we digress. We're talking about the 48 laws of power. And what I did was 
Um, I've read the 48 Laws of Power a couple of times, but I'm, I'm rereading it right now, and I have the 48 Laws in front of me. So I'm going to take each law, and I'm going to filter it through the eyes of a chef and tell you how this could apply to you. So let's get started. By the way, I should probably mention I won't get through all 48. Today, I'm just going to try and at least get through 10. So this will be an ongoing series on the Chef's PSA podcast. Law number one, never outshine the master. This is something that I would explain to my cooks, sous chefs, chefs, something that I had to learn myself, is when you're coming up, you want to do your job well, but you always want to make sure that the credit is given to the person that's the face. Now, it's their responsibility to give you credit when you deserve the credit. So um, I'll give you an example. If you created a dish and then your chef goes and puts it on the menu and they get the credit for it and you go around and you tell everyone that's not the chef's dish, that's my dish, right? This happens all the time. This happens in every restaurant. I mean, you think Gordon Ramsay is writing and coming up with all the, the, the recipes in every single one of his restaurants? No, I, and I think people need to get over the fact that... Um, He's, he's not the chef that's creating all the dishes. There's someone else behind it. He probably has a corporate chef or chefs of the individual restaurants are coming up with it. But this is how it works in, in all kitchens. Gordon Ramsay's the face. He, he gets the credit. He's the brand. That's who they're putting up. They're not putting up, you know, the cook that works at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in this one particular place who got it. Now, if, if they decide to do that on their social media or internally, that's up to them. But the fact of the matter is, if that said person then went on social media or whatever the case may be and said, I actually created that dish and stirred it up or wanted to outshine the king, I, I think that you're setting yourself up for some problems. And that that's in all aspects of hierarchy of a kitchen. You don't want to outshine the person above you. It's your responsibility to make them shine, make them look good. That's how you're going to move up. This is this is a power dynamic of how things work uh, in the real world, how things work in the kitchen. Kitchen's no exception to this. So we, we could argue that people should get credit, but I'm I'm here to say that if we're talking how this applies, the 48 laws of power, how this applies to the kitchen dynamic, never outshine the master is let the chef take the credit or the owner take credit or whoever it is that is, you know, quote unquote, the master of the area that you're working, make sure that they get the credit. If they want to give the credit, then let them. But to try and take the credit for them, I think you're setting yourself up to uh, to fail. I think the example in the 48 Laws of Power is someone outshines the king and then they they end up getting beheaded or something like that. They end up getting killed. I don't remember how they get killed, but they end up getting killed. So um, that's an extreme example. But these are this is how humans work. Jealousy is a real thing. So uh, never outshine the master. Moving on. Law number two, never put too much trust in your friends and learn how to use your enemies. You have to understand that when you're working in a kitchen, a lot of things get said, jokes get made. And then next thing you know, that person that you said something about finds out because you told so-and-so. Kitchens are very gossipy. It's like uh, it's like high school or middle school. I don't, I don't know which one's more gossipy, but kitchens are the same way. You you have to understand that that is happening. So you need to be extra cautious who your friends are. And you know that old old expression. You know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Um, you you need to understand that the only way you're ever going to be betrayed is by someone that's close to you, and that's that's the truth. People don't betray you that don't know you. So knowing that, arm yourself with that knowledge. And sometimes that betrayal comes from the cook that's working next to you. Sometimes it comes from your sous chef. Sometimes it comes from your executive chef. Yes, it's good to trust people, but in business sometimes and in the real world, you have to understand that that betrayal is always very close to you. Law number three, conceal your intentions. 
if I was to take this as two ways, if I took this from a management perspective, I would say before you make big moves, understand that sometimes when you make moves as a chef, as a leader, um, you're going to create waves throughout the rest of the kitchen. So they might be in disagreement. You don't want those things to get out to the rest of the staff before you're completely thought things through because sometimes you might change your mind and you know something seems like a good idea and you talk about it then everyone knows it but you actually change your mind but now everyone's afraid that this idea is going to come to fruition and there's gossip in the background so conceal your attentions you know have a close inner circle of people that you trust when you're sharing your ideas as a chef but also conceal your intentions when it comes to food um in the world of social media, we're too quick to put up food and show the world what we're doing. And it's difficult to get a competitive edge when everyone sees instantly what it is that you're doing as a chef. I talked about this when I was being interviewed at South by, um, is that with social media, the trends start and end could, could be over within two weeks. So the second that you put up a dish, you have to understand that, uh, hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many people are seeing that dish and it could be copied immediately. So if you have something an idea that you're working on, you might want to, you might want to hold back a little bit from sharing that information. If it is something extremely unique, that is going to be a differentiator for you. Make sure you are concealing your intentions a little bit when it comes to the creative process of what you're doing. And then when you're okay with your idea being, uh, I hate to say stolen because everyone gets mad when I say steal, but when copied, replicated, and maybe someone else gets more credit for what you're trying to do than you, then that's when you put it out, when you're okay with that. But don't put it out prior. Make sure that you're ready to share it with the world and you're also okay that the second that you do share it with the world, that it is open to be replicated by someone else. Law number four, always say less than necessary. When I was a chef, we used to say practice brevity. And I like the words of the jizza, keep it brief, son, half short and twice strong. Meaning say less with more. And in the kitchen, there's callbacks. There's yes, chef. There's we, chef. But I just used to say chef, right? We'll, we'll, we'll know from the tone if you mean yes or no. Everything was just chef. When someone comes back to the past and they say some long story and say, oh, so-and-so didn't like their steak. Uh, you know, they're with their kid and the kid's crying. And they have this long story. And then you just want to say, so they want it cooked again? Yeah, upcook, right? Learn how to communicate with fewer words and learn how to be more efficient with what you're saying. This is a skill I'm actually not that good at. And I've learned through the podcast to shorten what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm still working on it because I do tend to ramble, but learn to use fewer words and communicate more precise and concise, especially in kitchen operations. When you have a busy line and everything's humming, you just want to say, I need this now. Boom, done. Send it. Make sure that you're communicating clear, concise, and direct. Make it efficient. Make sure there's no ambiguity in what you're saying. Try and avoid the gray areas and just make it direct. People will respect you if you're able to tell them exactly what they need to do versus uh, going a long, a long way to just kind of get to the point. Law number five, so much depends on reputation. Guard it with your life. When we're talking about chefs, it's a small world. Chefs know each other. If you're a cook in one kitchen and you want to go work somewhere else, they're picking up the phone and they're asking, do you know this person? You want to make sure that you're doing the right thing in these kitchens because these chefs do know each other. So did you put in proper notice? Did you show up to work every day? Did you have the habit of calling off? Your reputation is going to precede you when you start going out into the industry. People call references. People DM people on social media and ask if once they know where you've worked. Your reputation is what you have. 
and you need to do everything you can to protect it so that you can grow your own brand. So if you're a sous chef and you're becoming an executive chef, it's your reputation that you're going to live by. Same thing with your food. Your food is also part of your reputation. It's the reputation of the food that you cook. So people, you know, your social media page is your reputation nowadays, right? People look at that and say, what kind of food do they prepare? How skilled are they? Everyone's, everyone's watching, right? They might not tell you they're watching, but they're all watching. How many times has one of your friends sent you a DM of someone's food and said, can you believe they made this, right? It happens. I, I know it happens. People send me those DMs. I get those DMs now with chives when people are cutting chives poorly or they want to show me uh, PSA being broken. Guard your reputation. People talk. More people need to take this serious because if you understood how important your reputation is and people have long memories, they're going to remember something you did 10 years ago, even though you've changed and you've grown up. They're going to say, oh, weren't you the guy that called off that one day that it was really busy? They say, yeah, well, I was 18 and you know, I didn't know better. But they're not going to remember that. They're going to remember you as the person that called off that one day that it was busy. So, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guard your reputation. Law number six, court attention at all costs. When you think about today's world, and we live in an attention economy, if you haven't heard that expression before, attention is today's currency. Now, we all work in restaurants, so how can you leverage attention for what you're doing? That's having a presence on social media. You look at some of the most successful people um, in today's world, people that have become billionaires, right? You look at Mr. Beast, who I don't know how rich he is, but he's, he has Mr. Beast Burger and he has chocolate bars on Walmart. These people are doing exceptional jobs, the Kardashians, right? I could think of so many influencers out there, so many chefs that have surpassed what their ceiling may have been if they just stayed in the kitchen because they've understood social media and garnering attention. Your brand is not just what you have in the kitchen, but your brand is also what you're putting out on social media. And your brand is also the, the, the photos that people take of your food that they're sharing on social media. So you want to make sure that you are doing everything you can to court your attention. Here's a, here's a story. I went to dinner with 50 Cent, the rapper, and uh, that was a name drop. <laughs> anyway, I went to dinner with 50 Cent, the rapper, and he told me something that I thought was brilliant. And I, I, I noticed now that he does it. And, and what he said was when he takes pictures with people, he reposts it. Because when he reposts it, not only does he get them as super fans, but he also gets their fans as super fans. And, and he goes, you know, viral. He's a master at gaining attention. If you, if you watch 50 Cent, I, I, you know, he's, a, he's a marketing genius. You know, if you follow him on social media, he knows how to be provocative. And I'm not saying I agree with everything that he posts. But what I am saying is if, if you're watching him clearly from a marketing perspective, he definitely knows what he's doing. Now, as a chef... What are you doing to get attention? Is it the food that you're creating? Is it, it's more than just your restaurant, but what are you doing in your restaurant? You have to be able to do that in a kitchen. Now, I've talked about this before, is that when you're on social media and you're scrolling and you're scrolling, it's food pictures get lost, but it's the chef that's showing you the behind the scenes that you stop and watch what they're doing, right? So anyway, take that for what it's worth, but as a chef, court attention at all costs. 
Law number seven, get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. It's a little rough to say, right? As I'm reading that one out loud, like, okay, how am I going to justify this one? Um, I think when you're the chef or you're the, you're the person in charge, obviously you're delegating your tasks, especially if you have a very large team. There's a lot of moving parts in a kitchen, especially larger operations that all have to come together to make sure everything's running smoothly. However, ultimately, you know, you, you get the blame, right? If, if you're going to take the full responsibility of the kitchen, you ultimately, when things go good, you, you get the credit, right? Like I was saying earlier, your face is the one that's going to show up in the newspaper. And also when things go bad, you also have to take the credit. You can't say if a food critic comes in and they didn't like a specific dish, you can't say, well, my sous chef created it. No, you're, you're the one that's going to go up there and have to own it. It's, it's the, the difficult part of being the head chef. And I think not a lot of people understand that. When I was the head chef in my last position, everyone would say, oh, look at how much fun you have. It's like, like, you don't know that I probably dealt with like 20 problems today and got in trouble about 20 times because of all the little things that went wrong throughout the rest of the operation. You only saw that, okay, you know, this was a good little accolade. But the majority of my day was dealing with the problems. That's, that's what my job was. And sometimes that's the thing people don't see. They don't see all the problems that you have to deal with. Oh, so-and-so is fighting. So-and-so is upset. This cook wants to talk to you about their schedule. This person wants to quit. And a lot of my day was spent dealing with the problems. When something went wrong, it didn't matter that another cook did it. I still had to be responsible for it. I couldn't sit there and throw them under the bus. As the expression goes, the fish stinks from the head. So if you're the leader, you take responsibility. Maybe that's a, a better way to say it. You know, Get others to do the work for you, but take the credit when things go bad. Right. So I, I believe in giving the credit away. But ultimately, if you were looking at this from you know, a strictly power grab type environment, that's what you would do. You would, you would take the credit even if you didn't do the work and you would always make sure that your name was at the forefront of everyone's mind, right? If you were, if you're looking at it strictly from a power grab standpoint, law number eight, make other people come to you use bait if necessary. Think about this in the dining world, right? We were talking about courting attention at all costs. Law number six earlier, putting bait out there, showing people the food that you're doing, making them come to you, creating dining experiences that are going to attract customers, Interesting menu ideas, special events, collaboration dinners with out-of-town chefs or local chefs where you're going to draw the attention. Creating a line at a food festival that makes everyone, when they see a long line, they, they want to go, right? So understanding that when there's a long line at a food festival, it might just be because you're busy or you might be working slow deliberately. But it's going to cause attention to everyone say, wow, I was there and they had the longest line. So that must imply that their food was good or that they are very important. So use bait if necessary. Make people come to you. Create something attractive that makes them want to come to you. Law number nine, win through your actions, never through an argument. This is something that I've often told myself. It's a, it's a quote that I like. It says, fools argue, wise people discuss. And I'm not one to get into arguments. And I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit on social media because oftentimes I'll, I'll post this thing like you slide in my DMs or comment anything towards me other than respectfully, I'm going to block you immediately. And so sometimes people will ask me my opinion on that. And I'll, I'll tell it to you like this. I have two rules that I live by. One, I don't argue with idiots. And two, I don't reward bad behavior. So if you're going to come on my social media page or in real life and 
you're going to behave badly. Don't expect to get my attention. I don't reward you with my attention when you behave badly. You get ignored. I don't reward bad behavior with attention. And the other one is I don't argue with fools. The more you argue with fools at a distance, it's difficult for people to tell which one's which, right? So I don't argue with fools. I don't, I don't engage in banter um, on things that, I've, that my opinion has obviously evolved on. But how does this apply to the kitchen? I think a lot of times we get caught up on who is right when service goes, when service goes poorly, everyone wants to blame it on someone else, right? Sometimes it's the service team. Sometimes it's the culinary team. Sometimes it's this particular cook. And when people have their backs against the wall, they're, they're going to, they're going to attack, right? Don't get into those arguments. Just focus on doing the best version of you, making sure that your results in the kitchen demonstrate that you're a competent performer. And people will know when those arguments are happening, they'll be like, nah, I don't believe it. This person's always a good cook. They rarely make those mistakes. And this person usually makes all the mistakes. How did it probably go down? That's the way it probably went down. I used to have cooks that would come up to me and freaking out when service went poorly and tell me that it was so-and-so's fault. And it was like, I, I knew, like I wasn't dumb. I, I knew most likely from the scenario that this is probably how it happened. I've been in enough scenarios that you could probably guess how things went down poorly. If you're good in the kitchen, people know, people talk, people watch how you move in the kitchen, but also the same thing goes if you're bad, right? Let your actions speak for you, not your arguments. Just because you're a good arguer doesn't mean you're right. That's something that a lot of people need to learn. Just because you're able to wear people down with an argument doesn't mean that your argument is correct. Law number 10, infection, avoid the unhappy and the unlucky. I think in a kitchen, there's a lot of unhappy and unlucky people. You know, the, the, the cook that has complained to everyone that they always get passed over for promotion and continues to complain. That person is probably still never getting promoted because no one wants to be around the person that's constantly complaining about things. The unlucky person that wherever they go, service seems to fail. Uh, it's probably not because they're unlucky. It's probably because they're a poor performer. So if you've ever heard the expression that you're the sum of the people that you spend the most amount of time with. Spend your time around people that are positive, uplifting. If you want to be great, you need to surround yourself with greatness. And I talk about this often on some of the posts and on social. If you really want to excel at what you're doing, you need to surround yourself with people that are excelling because you learn from them. It's contagious. But the same thing also applies when you surround yourself with negative people, especially in the kitchen, right? If you're, if you are associated and in larger kitchens, you see this, there's usually a divide in kitchens. Like there's the good performers and then there's the bad performers and the bad performers are usually all the people that think that they got passed up. And the good performers are the people that just put their head down and work and get it done and move up in their careers. What the bad performers seem to miss is that the most time that they're not getting promoted has everything to do with their ability to perform and their negative attitude. And they, they rarely think that they usually think that they don't have a negative attitude, but they're always complaining. And you know, the types in the kitchen, the people that'll tell you that they could do everyone's job better. Um, and then the person that just shuts up and gets it done, gets promoted and they don't understand why that person got promoted over them. Right. People want to promote people that, don't give them more headaches and don't cause more trouble for them. So if you're unhappy and unlucky, maybe look at the people that you're surrounding yourself with and say, maybe I need a, group, a new group of friends. Maybe I need to be around different people in the kitchen. 
Surround yourself with motivated, engaged people, and you'll have no other option but to become motivated and engaged. Anyway, these are the first 10 of the 48 Laws of Power. I'm going to make this a series. I'm not saying I'm going to do them consecutively, but if you like this episode, let me know. You could DM me. Uh, you could probably comment on this if you're listening on Spotify. If you want to support the show, go to chefspsa.com. You can see everything that we're doing there. Go get the books on Amazon. All the links are in my bio. Go get some merch, Boss Chef Hat. But most importantly, make sure you leave five stars on this podcast. Nothing less than five stars because anything less than five stars makes you a liar. And I know you're not a liar. So don't be a terrible human being. Leave five stars. So anyway, thank you all. I appreciate it. See you next week. Hit the porno music. Music.